Coming into our small group time, uh, small groups will be starting the first week of October. The sign-up tables will be available starting next Sunday. Um, you'll start feeling like you're being uh, stalked as you walk around because the small group leaders are going to pester you until you sign up for a small group. So uh, that all begins next week. Now, what I wanted to do was to present uh, the subject matter, which we talked about last week, why theology, and um, this week, why small groups? I mean, why would I even bother, right? So, uh, so this is part two. I want to start with a little story uh, that has no little brown puppy in it at all, I'm sorry to say, uh, but it's something I got off the internet a couple of years ago, and I just really enjoyed it. It spoke to the subject matter. Um, this guy writes, I, I can still recall that magical moment when an automobile levitated right before my eyes. I was walking with my parents down a dimly lit sidewalk in Italy when the sound of laughter and bantering among a group of men gathered on the street corner caught my attention. They swarmed around a small Austin Mini that was wedged between two vehicles. And at the sound of one man's thunderous voice, the automobile was raised into the air and then effortlessly carried into the middle of the street. Then, without hesitation, the man giving the audible instructions jumped into the driver's seat. His friends found their respective places in the car, and they drove off into the night. As a young, impressionable child, witnessing this demonstration of brute strength and raw power, it ignited a passion in me to become like these men one day. It was not necessarily their physical strength that intrigued me the most, but the incredible ease and confidence with which this small group, small group, there's the catch, right, of men tackled what seemed like an insurmountable task. We see this type of power displayed in words like teamwork, cooperation, and unity. For me, the word that captures this type of human-generated power best is alignment. The word alignment means this, the arrangement of something in a straight line or in an orderly position relative to something else. The correct position or positioning of different components relative to one another so that they perform properly. Support for or a political alliance with a particular person, group, or point of view, or a ground plan, especially one showing the course of a road or railroad track. We recognize the power of alignment whenever a group of people is willing to divest themselves of self-determined outcomes and invest their talents, their will, and their energy into a common direction in order to accomplish a common goal. Let's pray. Lord, we ask you, by your Holy Spirit, the unifying force of your kingdom, we are united, O oh God, in the Spirit, by the Spirit, for the cause of the kingdom of the Spirit of God. So we ask you today, O oh God, to open our minds and our hearts to hear and to understand these principles of community, of unity, of coming together with a common cause. 
We ask you to bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there is, of course, a biblical principle involved here. Uh, We would call it the power of unity, and we see its initial breaking into the dynamic of human existence in Genesis chapter 11. In verse 1, it says, Now the whole earth had one language in the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top into the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Because they were one people, a united people, God said, They didn't say, God said, because they were united, nothing they proposed to do will now be impossible for them. I've seen this dynamic in my lifetime, and some of you also have witnessed this in recent history. Back in the early 60s, President Kennedy called the nation to unity to breach the frontier of outer space. How many remember that? How many are old enough to remember that? John, come on. We put men on the moon. We did an absolutely impossible task because one man united a nation to do what was seemingly impossible. Unity of purpose is a powerful force but it is most effective when expressed as community. Community takes us beyond merely having the same purpose. Community is deeper than that. It is rooted, it is stable, it is enduring. It is the common unity, that which belongs to all of us, is available to all of us, flows into all of us, and can and should emanate from all of us. That's community. Jesus understood this dynamic of common unity and relied on it, its inherent power, during his earthly ministry. We read in John 10.30, he says this, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. There has always been unity. Before there was a universe, before anything was created, there was already unity in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In John 5.19, Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord. Without unity with the Father, Jesus realized he can't do a thing. But only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. 
For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. Isn't it interesting that Jesus in his earthly ministry had a point in time where the Father promised him, greater things than these shall you do? That's what he just said. Isn't that what Jesus promises us? Greater things than these shall you do. Where did he get that? He got that from the Father. He got that from the unity of the Spirit with his Father. So how did Jesus maintain this unity with the Father? In Luke 5.15 it says, But now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to a desolate place and pray, and pray. In Luke 6, 12, it says, In those days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued to in prayer to God. He continued in prayer with the Father. You see, he kept going out, separating himself from the mundane of the day to be united with his Father. And then he would come back and express the power that that uniting with the Father had deposited into his spirit. So the disciples are running around with Jesus, and they're seeing these awesome miracles and the signs and the wonders, and all of that's happening around them. And, you know, I'm sure they took note that every so often Jesus kicks off to the right and is gone. You know, he's up there praying, he comes back, and more power, more miracles, you know, and they start to do the math. You know, what's up with this? Oh, let me see. He does signs and wonders, goes and prays, comes back, more signs and wonders, goes and prays. Right? Matthew 6, 9, or Luke 11, 1, say, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Why? Because they understood that as he united with the Father in prayer, he came back empowered. They wanted what he had. And they figured out the math. If you do what he does, you get what he has. Teach us to pray. So now watch what Jesus does in Matthew 6, 9. Pray then like this. Our Father. Our Father. He doesn't just give them a bunch of words to say. Right? Nothing to memorize. He gives them connection. He unites them to the Father through the relationship that he already has. Our Father. You see, he went to pray to his Father. I don't do anything except I see my Father. Teach us to pray. Okay, pray this way. Our Father. He brings them into common unity with what he had unity with, the Father. He roots them into the community and fellowship of the Trinity and eternal fountainhead of life, grace, mercy, and power, our Father. Remember, Jesus promised that we would do greater things than he had done. And we read the gospel accounts of what he has done, and we say, how? How could I ever raise the dead? 
How could I ever cleanse the leper? How could it be possible that I could pray and see limbs grow on, on amputees? How could that possibly be? How can we ever do greater than that? Our Father. Our Father. We are united to and in unity with God, our Father, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And in that, we are rooted to the source of all power. Listen to the Apostle Paul's prayer to the Colossian believers. Colossians 1.11 May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, <clears throat> giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. For he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Laminate, right? Laminate. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who, were, who once were alienated, I want you to hold on to this, this little phrase, you who once were, I who once was, right? I used to be something other than I am right now. You who once were, you used to be, somebody different than you are today. If you're the same person you are today that you were when you came into the kingdom, you're doing something wrong. Because the scripture said, you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now. You once were, but he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach to his Father. In all that you've ever been, you are no longer that because he has now brought you to the Father. You are united through Christ with the creator of all things. Now, as God has said, there isn't anything that will be impossible for them. Now, because of what Christ did on the cross and united us in perfect unity by the Spirit of God, there isn't anything that will be impossible for us to do. Heal the sick. Cleanse the leper. Deliver the demon oppressed. Set the captives free. Raise the dead. It is not impossible We have been united to the purposes of God, empowered to be participants in God's grand design. Does anyone know what God's grand design is? 
the restoration of all things. Listen, you're out there in Shaw's supermarket. You see the guy coming down the wheelchair. God tickles your mind. So go pray for him. Go pray for him. Go over there and just in obedience, put your hand on his head. Say, stand up in the name of Jesus Christ. And he stands up. You know what you just did? You became a participant in the restoration of all things. The kingdom that is promised, where there's no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering, no more disease, suddenly comes back through time and is deposited by your obedience into the life of this man, and he's reconciled to God, and you become part of God's grand design. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? God works through us, you know. Martha and I, we've been, um, well, a bunch of us have been watching some uh, Robbie Dawkins DVDs, and this is what this guy is doing. I mean, he is a wild man. And uh, so Martha and I have this discussion about why we should be watching these DVDs, and she said, oh, I just don't want to get stoked up and, you know, pray for someone, and they don't get healed, and then I get discouraged, and so we watched the video that night, and he says, now listen, if you're praying for someone, they don't get healed. Don't get discouraged, you know. So we're talking about that, and she says, yeah, I just don't. What is it? You know, and I said, well, it's his worldview. You know, everything that he encounters, he just sees as an opportunity that God has placed before him. So he's, he's out, he's got a, a prayer station set up, and this woman walks up to him and says, you know, I'm your opposition. He says, oh, well, what's that mean? She says, I'm a witch. He said, Awesome! I was praying that you'd come today. I want you to know how much God desires for you to know his love. I am so glad that you... Are there any more of you here? Did more of you come? Can, can I pray for you right now? I mean, she's going, what? You know? I mean, he just views things different. We have to get a different mindset that we are part of God's grand plan for humanity. It isn't us. It's him. He's already desiring to do this. He just wants to use us. So we're out talking about this stuff. And we're walking down the sewer for a walk. It's sunny when it used to be sunny. And uh, we go by this guy's house and we hear, hey, 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 you guys. Could you come here a minute? There's a guy sitting in a wheelchair on his porch. I dropped my cell phone. I can't get it. I pick up his cell phone. So what happened to you? So I just dropped it. I said, not the cell phone. I said, what happened to you? You're in a wheelchair. I've been coming by here for years. You've been in that wheelchair. I got in a car accident, broke my neck. Can I pray for you? So, sure. I reach out, put my hand on you and pray for you? Yeah, yeah. Be open to that. Be open to that. And Martha and I you know, just connected with this guy and prayed for him. And nothing happened at the moment. But, you know, there'll be other days. I don't know what God is going to do with the obedience. And this guy's in a quiet moment and says, you know, if there was anything to that and you are real up there, when you do something. My first healing encounter, my neighbor down in Florida, she had had a stroke. She couldn't even talk. And I used to go over once a week and just sit with her, I'd bring iced tea or lemonade, and I'd just read her the Psalms. She was in about her 60s. And the last time I did this, the Psalm ended with, I am the God who healeth thee. 
and closed the book. And I was getting ready to come back to Massachusetts. And a week later, I had my car all packed. I'm getting ready to go. And I hear a knock on the door, and this woman standing there. She all dressed up, her hair done, and she had a little box of hard candy with a bow on it. And she says, I just wanted to say goodbye and say thank you. And I said, great. Who are you? She said, I'm Mary next door. I said, what happened to you? She said, well, you read that psalm. And when you left, I threw myself on the floor and said, God, what about me? And he healed me. You know, he healed me. I had no idea. You know, I mean, he just does his thing. But I got to be part of the reconciliation of all things. This woman was brought to wholeness. You don't know what you're depositing by your obedience. Faith, R-I-S-K. Faith. Some of us have been reconciled to God. Some of us have been reconciled to family and friends and loved ones. Some of us have been reconciled to our own past. How many have done that one? That's a great one, right? In a very real sense, reconciled to our own hearts. But now, but now, now is the time to unify to stand together with one another and with God to bring about his good pleasure. Listen, all that we accomplish in God, we do intentionally. We make a community decision to be community changers, not in here, out there. We set our mind to this thing, and we carry our hearts out there, will change Laconia. And I don't mean, you know, one person at a time over the next 20 years. I mean with breakout power and revival. But it's got to be intentional in here to take it out there. We've got to come to a place of making a corporate decision that what we have to offer is valuable and dispensable and powerful and effective because it is. Now is the time to become a community, common unity of believers intimately involved in the work of restoration. In Acts 2, right after the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, and Peter preaches this awesome sermon. It says, so those who received his word were immersed, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. They devoted themselves. There's the key. Devoted. Can I, can I just put this little thing in place for your mind? We're going to have the table set up out there. You can sign up for small group on the website. You're going to have inserts in the bulletin. You're going to have small group leaders chasing you around with a pencil and a pad. You know, sign up in my group and blah, 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 blah. And you can sign on the line. You can spend the 10 bucks and get the book. And you can read the book. And you can show up on week one and say, Oh, that was cool. And then week two, oh, gee, you know, something came up. And week three, well, I didn't go last week. I'm probably lagging behind, so I'm not going to go this week. And I'm just going to forget about this whole thing anyways. And you know what you'll get out of the small group? A book. That you'll probably never finish reading. 
They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. They were intentional about what they were applying their lives to. I'm going to ask you, if you sign on the line, devote yourself to the small group. Be an inputter. Be someone who, when you come into the small group, everyone in that small group says in their mind, oh, I'm glad they showed up this week. They got so much to offer. You can be that. You devote yourself. Read the material. Get into the word. Open your mouth and talk in the small group. You know, bring a batch of cookies when no one asks you to. It'll all make a difference. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Why? Because they had developed common unity. And the fruit of common unity is a display and a demonstration of power. And all who believed were together, had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all, as many as had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, you know, this September 18th, Return to Church Sunday, I think it's an awesome idea. Really glad we're being part of that. But I would rather have this happen. I would rather God find us so faithful in our common unity, so faithful in the things that we are pursuing, that we're delving into the word together, that we're praying together, that we're eating together, that we're out in the community together, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he looks down from heaven and says, LRVC, you know, I can invest souls there. I think I'm going to fill up that building. They're doing something I like. I'm going to bless them. And he starts adding souls to us. Now, there's a come back to church Sunday for you. See, that's what I want. I don't want it just that I handed someone a card. I want to hand them my heart. I want to introduce them to Jesus Christ and the work that he's done in, in me and make them jealous. I want what you got. Where do you find that? Well, come on over on Sunday. See if you don't bump into Jesus. One last principle concerning community, unity, and connectedness. I'll give you the principle after I ask you this question. Which one of the following groups would you want to belong to? I'm going to read several scriptures, and in each scripture there's a group that's described, and you decide which one of these groups, you can decide which one you fit in now, but the question is which one would you like to be part of, okay? Matthew 4.25, it says, And great crowds followed him, that's Jesus, from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So the first group are great crowds. Great crowds of people followed Jesus. And, you know, if you read the loaves and the fish stories, 
you know, they've got numbers like 4,000, 5,000, 7,000 plus men and women. So when it says great crowds, you're talking into the tens of thousands of people who are following Jesus around, okay? Matthew eleven seven. it says, as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? So within the great crowds is a crowd, a group of people, a large group of people who were close enough to Jesus to, that he was able to speak to them. So what are you guys doing here? What did you come out to see? Why, why did you come out here today to listen to me? And they could all hear him. So, so maybe that was several hundred or a couple of thousand or whatever, but it was less than the great crowds. Okay? And in Luke 10.1, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. So here out of these crowds, he chose 72 who were like the, uh, the SWAT team, you know, the, the rangers or the SEALs. They go out and they, they do the f- preparatory work, right? And they soften up the target and prepare for Jesus to come in with the big guns, you know? And so there's another group. And in Mark 3.14, it says, And he appointed 12 whom he named apostles so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach. So out of that crowd, that 72 possibly, he chose 12 others just to be with him. It's a nice place, right? And in Matthew 17, 1, it says, After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. So now we've got three out of the 12. And he was transfigured before them, His face shone like the sun, his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And he was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased Listen to him. So out of the 12, there are three that he takes up to a high place and he shows himself glorified. They come under the Shekinah glory cloud and hear the voice of his father. Okay. (laughs) I don't know why they didn't melt, but they didn't. So here's your choices. You can be part of the great crowd. You can be part of the crowd. You can be one of the 72, you know, out there doing some stuff. Maybe the 12, or you can be part of the three. So which would you rather be? Any, any great crowders here? Anyone want to be the great crowder? How about anyone want to be in the crowd? Any 72ers? Okay, 72er, good. Any 12ers? Okay, how about threeers? All right, so, yeah, see, everyone wants to be a three-er, right, except for one. <laughs> Kelly's always been an odd blank, anyway. <laughs> Kelly's like the, the nickel you think you found on the street. Yeah. Hey, Kelly's like the nickel you think you found on the street, and you pick it up, and it's really one of those blanks from an electrical box. <laughs> and you go, <laughs> just kidding. 
(laughs) So the principle is this. Bigger is not always better. Bigger is not always better. Or you can flip it over if you've got a real nickel and say less is more. Less is more. If you've been coming to Lakes Region Vineyard Church for some time and been being blessed by the worship, the word, and the ministry, I think you all have. And if you want more, if you really want more, then it's time to reduce. More is less. Reduce from the congregational Sunday meetings and add the small group meeting to your weekly commitment. You'll grow in knowledge, in relationships, in intimacy with the Lord, and in your gifting. Less is definitely more in this case. Small groups offer us the opportunity to both give and to receive in a far more focused and naturally supernatural way. So I want to encourage you. Martha and I are leaving Thursday for a month over in the Middle East. And uh, you know, when you come in next Sunday, the table to sign up for small groups will be there. There will be uh, booklets describing what you're going to be studying. Books will be available right away for you to buy. They're $10 a book. Um, the small group leaders will be here to chase you around. And uh, every week you're going to hear one of the topics from what you're going to be studying over the next couple of months being discussed from the pulpit and being encouraged uh, to sign up for small group. If you go to the website, you're going to get blasted in your eyes with stuff about small groups, right? Uh, We may even send you mailers. We don't know how intense we're going to get. But by the time we come back in October, the 1st of October, we'll be stepping right into small groups. The first week of October, first Wednesday, uh, we'll start it. Uh, The schedules include a couple of daytime small groups, Mondays and Thursday afternoons. So if you're uh, working at night and you say, oh, I can't do a small group, I'm not available at night, uh, we can help you out with that. We want to make it uh, accessible to everyone. So I'd really like you to pray. Ask the Lord how he would have you fit in uh, to the small groups, uh, how he'd, you know, what his agenda is for your life, wh- which small group you should attend. Don't just say, oh, you know, I like Tim, so I'll do Tim's, or, uh, oh, I like Dave Lavoy, I'll go do his group. No, no, no. It's not about that. Lord, where do you want to place me? Where will I grow the most? Where will I be used the most? Where do you want me put? Pray about it, just like we've asked you to pray about who you're going to invite. Ask the Lord. He'll direct you. You'll know, and you know her, and you'll, you'll be the best you can be when you're in the place that he wants you to be at. Okay? Let's pray together. Let's stand. An old song, Lord, that used to go, bind us together, Lord, bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. So we ask you, O God, with a threefold cord, bind us into the unity that you know in the Trinity, the unity of the Father, 
and the Son and the Holy Spirit. For Lord, you have said that we are the body of Christ. You have a place for us in that unity. We don't always know that we fit. We don't always feel like we fit, O oh God. But we're asking you, intentionally asking you, to fit us in. To give us that place that you have chosen for us to be. That we might be the most fruitful for your master plan, the reconciliation of all things. We ask you to use us, O oh God, in the church and on the streets. That we would always be accessible to the leading of your spirit. Lord, as we grow and in grace and knowledge and understanding of your word and your ways. Lord, I pray for each small group, Lord, for the small group leaders, that you'd give them wisdom beyond what they already have to teach your body the truths of the word of God, to make available opportunities to pray and to minister for one another. Lord, that hospitality would flourish. Lord, that uh, the Lord's table would be established week by week, O oh God, and, and they would know your presence over and over again. That worship would, would, would just abound and praise would echo out from each small group. Lord, equip your saints to do the work of ministry. Wind us up and turn us loose, O oh God. And we would see the lakes region changed for the cause of Christ and for your kingdom. We ask for your blessing today on that. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, Amen.